0: My homily this morning is a briefer version of a presentation I gave to the student body at Jeboah Catholic High School this past Wednesday afternoon as they gathered for a send-off celebration for the 65 students and staff members and adult chaperones who were going to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. this past Friday. The story is told about a priest who was invited to a family's home for dinner. And so the priest arrived. He and the mother and father and the little four-year-old boy said the meal prayer together and then they began to pass the food around the table. And the priest said, Could you pass me the beans, please? And so the father grabbed for the beans to pass them to the priest. The little four-year-old boy spoke up and said, Daddy, I thought you said yesterday that father didn't know beans. In 1633... The Catholic Church condemned Galileo Galilei, an Italian scientist, for teaching that the earth moves around the sun and hence is not the center of the world. Church leaders at that time felt that Galileo's teaching was contrary to the sacred scriptures, that Galileo didn't know beings. Of course, Galileo's theory was proven correct, and in 1992, St. Pope John Paul II finally formally declared that the Church erred in the condemnation of Galileo as a heretic. The sacred scriptures teach us how to go to heaven and not how the heavens go. This was an important lesson for the Catholic Church. Good science and good theology are not in conflict And this is why the Catholic Church sponsors great Catholic centers of higher education, such as St. Louis University, Notre Dame, Loyola, Gonzaga, Boston College, Villanova, and the list goes on and on. This is why the Vatican has its own observatory since 1891 to promote scientific study of the universe. Pope Francis himself studied chemistry, and worked as a chemist before entering the seminary. The Catholic Church believes that religion without science is blind, and that science without religion is incomplete. This past Friday, tens of thousands of pro-lifers, including the students from Jabot Catholic High School, represented the rest of us at the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., marking the 46th anniversary of the infamous Supreme Court decision at Roe v. Wade, which in 1973 made abortion the law of the land. The Catholic Church teaches that each and every human life is a reflection of God, and that each and every human life is precious to God because it is created in the image and likeness of God. This is the message, too, of Dr. Martin Luther King, whom we honor tomorrow with a holiday. And science, too, has determined that at conception, a new individual comes into being, possessing a unique genetic code that has already determined that individual's gender, their fingerprints, their hair and eye color, and their facial features. Hence the difference between the individual in its adult stage and its zygotic stage is one of form, not nature. Isn't it ironic that a culture that is so scientifically oriented in every other way turns a blind eye to the scientific evidence regarding unborn children? The Catholic Church's foundational moral principle is that all human life is sacred, from womb to tomb, and it is to be treated with dignity and respect. Abortion is the foundational pro-life issue, but there are many others that the Church is attentive to as well, such as hunger, poverty, homelessness, unemployment, health care, racism, sexism, euthanasia, arms control, care for the elderly and physically and mentally challenged, prison reform, capital punishment, rights of migrants and refugees, war and peace, care for our common home, Mother Earth—all these and many others are pro-life issues that the Church is concerned with and has made official statements about in recent years. We use that image of a seamless garment as a way of expressing our consistent ethic of life. When one thread of the garment is weakened or destroyed, the entire garment begins to unravel. Hence, the foundational moral principle of the Catholic Church is the dignity of all human life. But abortion is the foundational pro-life issue, for if we do not protect innocent life in the womb, then we have no credibility in promoting the dignity of human life outside the womb. But as St. Pope John Paul II often reminded us, we live in a culture of death, where in our country alone, over 1.2 million abortions take place annually, and some 60 million have taken place since that Supreme Court decision in 1973. It's quite depressing to think that the most dangerous place for children in America now is in the womb. I can't help but wonder how much has been lost to our country and our world because of these 60 million abortions. Great leaders, great inventors, great teachers, great physicians, great humanitarians, great saints, All who could have helped change our country and our world for the better were destroyed in the womb. Abortion, too, is one of the factors why the birth rate in our country has gone down for seven consecutive years. And abortion has also had a ripple effect, as its cultural acceptance leads to a diminishment of respect for human life in many other areas as well. Those who are pro-abortion like to use the arguments that It's a woman's issue. It's a privacy issue. It's a choice. We're trying to impose our religious morality on others. It's about women's health. It's not a women's issue. It's a human issue. And the Catholic Church does more to help women, mothers, families, and children than any other private organization in the world. It's not a privacy issue. It's a right to life, guaranteed by our Declaration of Independence, which states... We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life. If our society and government doesn't protect our inalienable God-given right to life, then all of our other human rights become meaningless. It's not a choice, it's a baby, and it's illegal in our country to destroy innocent human life. And we are not seeking to impose our religion or morality on anyone. We are advocating for the protection of every human person, from womb to tomb, believing that once the life of any one person is in danger, the lives of all of us are in danger. To impose our religion on others would be like demanding that everyone be obligated to abstain from meat on the Fridays of Lent. And it's not about women's health. Pregnancy is not an illness or a disease. And we have better health care for women than ever before in the history of civilization. Some ask, what about abortion in the case of a rape? First of all, studies have shown that this is very, very rare. But if a pregnancy were to occur and abortion is chosen as an option, then that sexual predator has destroyed not just one, but two lives. Some, too, might argue that abortions are performed to save a mother's life. This is not a medical reality in our medical facilities today. Physicians strive to save the life of both mother and child when these dire medical problems may occur. Just go to any neonatal intensive care unit in any hospital and see the heroic measures modern medicine has developed to care for both mother and child. It's not either or, but both and. Eliminating human life cannot eliminate human problems. As Pope Francis has put it, it's not progressive to try to solve problems by eliminating a human life. Yes, you can undo a pregnancy, but you cannot undo an abortion. I've had firsthand experience of helping women who have procured an abortion to find spiritual and emotional healing. For it's a, a natural act, that leaves lasting scars, much like PTSD. As one of my favorite signs carried by the Jaboa students at the March for Life last year stated, we march because abortion stops one heart and breaks another. Powerful and insightful words indeed. As a church, we offer healing and compassion, not condemnation to women who have been broken by an abortion. And to all women who are facing an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy, we encourage them to make a decision you both can live with. This is why the Life Network Pregnancy Care Center in Waterloo and also now in Redbud is such a blessing to our local communities and why they deserve our support in every way, for they are a very effective way of helping women in times of crisis. A few years ago at the annual Life Network Benefit Dinner, The keynote speaker was a young woman who was the survivor of a botched abortion. I've never heard a more powerful testimony against the tragedy of abortion. As a church, as individual disciples of the Lord Jesus, it's important that we not remain silent. For silence implies complicity. And that's how our first reading began today about Isaiah who said, I cannot remain silent. I cannot be quiet. Participating in the March for Life is one way of being an advocate for the sanctity of human life. But it's not the only way. I'll never forget the way that the late Sister Joan Weisler, a native of our parish and a member of the rumored religious community the Doors of the Blood of Christ, was an advocate for the sanctity of all human life. On the outside of the envelope of every letter she mailed, she stamped these powerful words. The only people who are for abortion are the ones who are already born. St. Teresa of Calcutta, too, was an advocate for life and often said, if you hear of some woman who does not want to keep her child and wants to have an abortion, try to persuade her to bring the baby to me. I will love that child, seen in it the sign of God's love. And it's so important that we not gossip about someone who is pregnant, but to speak to them words of hope and encouragement and not words of condemnation. We also need to be advocates for life by contacting contacting our state and national leaders when important life issues are being discussed and legislation is being proposed. The March for Life, and all we do as advocates for the powerless and voiceless children in the womb, is all about changing hearts, so that the culture of death might be transformed by the gospel of life. And when people's attitudes change, laws will change to reflect the will of the people. Never underestimate the effectiveness of your advocacy for life and take pride in being pro-life. Find in the words of St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, you must never grow weary of doing what is right. For as today's gospel reminds us, When Jesus is with us, great things can happen. He changed water into wine. He can change a culture of death into a culture of life. And that's why we are confident that things can change for the better. Because we know that our God is with us. And that's why we boldly proclaim that God is good. All the time.